Money Roots is made possible by the support of our sponsor, Rooted Planning Group. Are you ready to take control of your financial future? Look no further than Rooted Planning Group, your trusted partner in financial well-being. At www.rootedpg.com, you'll discover a wealth of resources and expertise to help you thrive financially. Rooted Planning Group specializes in personalized financial planning, investment management, and retirement strategies. They understand that every financial journey is unique, and they're here to guide you every step of the way. With a team of experienced advisors, Rooted Planning Group is committed to helping you cultivate a secure and prosperous future. Visit www.rootedpg.com today to learn more about how Rooted Planning Group can help you grow your money roots. Every week, it's my goal to share a story of someone's journey through their life and financial vineyard. We take you from their roots to the journey of their vines and the influences in the air that have helped craft their delicious lives. Like wine, life and finances have different palettes that should be celebrated and not judged. Today, we will be talking about diffusing the legal and estate planning bombs that exist out there. That's right, you're stuck with just me today. But I'm talking about a very hot topic, I guess, because this year we have really been talking to people about their estate plan and the importance of their estate plan. It's important to make sure that we have these documents updated. And I know it's not a fun conversation. So I thought today we would be talking about through the, some of these items. And I want to make it clear, this is not to be considered legal advice. I am not an attorney and I never want to represent myself one as one or ever cross the line of pretending as, a, as if I know what the law is. You should always seek out legal competent attorneys to specifically discuss your topics, but we do want to raise some ideas around it. So why are we talking about that right now? Why is, why is it so important that I feel the need to do a podcast on this right now? Well, let's look at it. As 2020 has been a really rough year. We've seen some really unique things. And for many of our clients, getting your estate plan in order has been on the to-do list for a very long period of time. It could be a year, 10 years longer. It's part of human nature. I guess it's called optimism <laughs> or optimism bias to believe that all of the st statistics we know about, like death, disability, and medical problems won't happen to us. But in reality, they are, and they will. And so we should be aware of what's going on. Seven out of 10 family units will have a crisis within a 10-year period. That's 70% of the population. So we're talking about um, some of the documents today that will help look at those crises and the typical legal documents that are required, like medical issues, disability and death. Uh, now you might not become disabled or die in the next 10 years, but there's still a chance that something will happen within 10 years to you or your family member. So right about now, your brain is going, oh gosh, I have 10 years. No, no, no. That's not what we're getting. We're getting about really. We just want you to remember those are statistics. Um, in years, you know, that, that that's uh, something that could actually happen tomorrow. So why did I say that? Why did I say tomorrow? But, but, you know, I'm not ready. Is that what a lot of you are thinking? <laughs> 
Um, I'll tell you, over the course of my career, I've done plenty of, unfortunately, deathbed planning. It's not something I enjoy at all, and it's not something the family enjoys. I've worked with caretakers who have to spend money that nobody has anymore to go to court to get legal stuff straightened out. I've worked with their heirs who are in limbo, dis disabled children losing Medicaid because they inherited something directly and didn't have a special needs trust. I've seen the consequences of a lack of legal planning. That type of work is hard heartbreaking and hard and it's so difficult on the families. In these situations, people have a few options and most of them are bad. In other words, I've seen many problems that could have been avoided with a maximum of five hours of work on part of the, the family intentionally looking at that sort of things. It, it then takes a couple of hours every three to four years or a few hundred dollars to maintain it. We think it's so worth it to invest in yourself that way. People use, um, you know, cost as a reason as to why they haven't had it done. But when we run our analysis, it really is so worth it, especially when you look at it over, you know, the period of time that the documents are generally good for. Doing that work and paying that money will save heartache. Uh, more money will be spent and 50 times more of the hours will be spent to solve the hours, uh, solve the problems that come up when planning isn't done. People will take that much time and energy just fig fixing a small leak in their house because they know letting it go could cost them their entire home. So think of legal documents like a little leak or maybe a big time bomb. Uh, the picture that I'm showing for those that are watching the video versus listening to the podcast, it shows a picture of, of a time bomb sitting there and the rules in financial planning and risk management that go along with that are you know, saving something from being cat catastrophic. Um, so we always look at something like this as really important, even though people don't really enjoy talking about it. And they don't think of legal work as catastrophic, but the results can absolutely be. If you have a health insurance issue, you have a health and you know, health issue, you really need to make sure that you have your interests clear. So I'm gonna dive in a little bit further to some of these concepts. So situations that may require legal documents, well, obviously, um, if you're looking at um, thinking of wills that need in case of death, but there are many more other events that legal documents are needed during your time. So you and your spouse, here's an, here's an example, right? You and your spouse uh, were both in a car accident and you couldn't pay your medical bills. Who has access to your checking account? Who can sign the insurance forms? Who can authorize treatment? What if a house was in the middle of being sold? Who can sign for you? In other words, if you can't, for some reason, manage your financial affairs, what would happen? It takes a few weeks to get several months of information gathered together, right? So it, it, it could go to court, it could have a legal guardian appointed who could address your financial affairs. Finally, the doctors would have to be willing to testify that you aren't competent now and wouldn't be in the future. In the meantime, everything is piling up, bills and insurance, authorization for repairs. They're all left accumulating uh, because there's nobody there to make decisions. And it could be things like, you know, electricity or water cut off, late fees could accumulate. I, all of this is just a major mess. And I know, you know, I'm talking to the extreme here, but the issue could be short term, or it could be something very long term, like a brain injury that could be more permanent. And then what, <laughs> you know, all of that you have to go through if you're single, 
or if you're married, but something happens to your spouse, what would happen to you and your financial situation without somebody being authorized to handle your finances? The um, thinking of an airplane that's modeled on the screen here that I'm doing the presentation for is um, because, you know, there's always something that could happen. And I think, um, I think uh, this year is a particular situation where people couldn't get back into country for several weeks because of where they were when everything shut down around coronavirus. And that leads to so much that could be going on that, you know, finances and, and what, what if something happens with regards to uh, your backup person? Would, do you have a, do you have somebody that's appointed that, is a backup to the initial person that you're appointing. I mean, these are all situations that actually happen. People wanted to help. You know, if we actually had somebody that was stuck out of the country and people wanted to help, but no one could because they didn't have the authorization. They were unable to do it. There was no backup in the plan. Um, so they didn't have somebody that could actually come in and, and pay the bills. And, and there wasn't somebody that they could, could lean on in that way. And um, you know, we, we think of things like, what if you had a house fire? Um, because you not only have, let's say you have the documents or you need the documents, but do you have them available in a cloud if you had to recreate them? So that's another risk that we would want to be um, thinking about or considering. And those required legal documents need to have a backup place as well. Now, a lot of times the attorneys will keep the originals, but it's really important for you to have them available in the cloud, in our opinion, somewhere or someplace where you would have access to it, uh, just in case there's ever kind of a, a situation where the your house is on fire or God forbid, or there's a flood situation. You know, I, I think it's important to remember um, paperwork management is really important just in general when we talk about these type of issues. But for creating some kind of um, place for you to securely keep some of these documents, we think that that's super important. And you should also have a list of those documents uh, maybe stored in that cloud folder so that there's um, an idea. And we recommend uh, the use of a, a um, a password sharing system called ShareFile, where you can appoint somebody that would have access to your user, your digital username and passwords. If something happened to you, um, they would they would be able to get in for a short period of time to gain access to some of this information. So you can actually um, have them as a as a backup person to get into that digital world that you live in. So those are all situations that may require your legal documents that you should be aware of. Now, documents that you need for the, what we call bombs of life, right, would be medical power of attorneys, health uh, HIPAA authorizations, financial and durable power of attorney, guardianship papers, living trust, family and self letters. And what that means is what do you want your family to know about you? Uh, some we call it the five wishes document, which is a wonderful document that you can have uh, under, to, excuse me, you can have to be able to explain to your family members what your wishes are. Now we'll be covering each of these as we go through the class. Um, what, what will they allow someone to do who needs them, um, when they will be beneficial and decisions to make before the legal documents are drafted. So what's a medical power of attorney? It allows someone to make medical decisions on your behalf when you can't. Who needs this? 
everybody over the age of 18 should have one. Well, everyone 18 and older, I should say, because the day a child turns 18, you as a parent have no legal authority. As we go through this presentation um, in this discussion, make some notes, please. Uh, if you're listening to this on the podcast, you can always flag this and come back to it. But how about your parents or in-laws? Do they have this document? Do children have this document? Does somebody in, you know, somebody in the family have this document? It could be your best friend or a spouse. Um, you need to think about a list of people that are most important to you that, that don't have this. And um, think about how impacted you would be if something happened to them and, and there wasn't anybody available to make those medical decisions on them. Put that in perspective and then think about what you should do. So there are so many reasons you need um, to have this. And, and it's really about making the best decision and who will do that for you. So it, it's super important to talk about um, the decisions. You, you need to decide who is going to be your primary medical power and then appoint, as I mentioned earlier, a secondary. So I think it's you know, it doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't have anything to do with who's the oldest. It has to do with who will make the decision. And the reason that I said that is because so many people say, well, my oldest um, sibling or oldest child is in charge of that. Well, if you don't have children, then you've got to think about, well, who would be willing to do this? So you're talking about, you know, usually if you're a married couple, it's the spouse is the primary, but then who, who would be the backup person? There's a website called powerofattorney.com for which you can create or download a free power of attorney form. But we really strongly recommend that you work with an actual attorney that would, um, that would draft this for you. And you wanna list some restrictions and rights. And I think having somebody talk you through that is pretty important. The next document is a HIPAA authorization. So HIPAA gives the family members or friends the right to medical information. This is one of the few documents that actually carries on beyond your life. Um, so, which is really important because again, um, if you sometimes can't make those decisions if you don't have all of the information. So, they, this document would actually allow you to get uh, very specific information about, uh, or allow somebody to get very specific information about you so that they can make really good decisions about your medical care. Um, and again, this, this document is uh, the things that you want to be thinking about is who and what do you want them to know? It can be broad. Uh, it can be very narrow. So again, working with an attorney to, to come up with that language, uh, we think is important. Now, your financial and durable power of attorney form, that authorizes an individual to act on behalf of your financial needs. So this is anyone who has financial assets or responsibility really needs this. And you're, you're doing things around like real property transactions, such as selling a house or renting it. Uh, you're talking about personal property transactions, such as selling everything that you own in a garage sale. Uh, it also is about selling securities and moving money uh, around. And some cases, changing beneficiaries if the power of attorney allows for that. It also allows access to banking and other financial institutions. So it's really important that you trust the person that you're assigning for the power of attorney, the durable power of attorney, especially. And pretty much everyone over the age of 17 probably should have this. So, um, you know, I think it's important to talk about I know a lot of people think, you know, an 18 year old probably doesn't need this, but you never know. It's, it's pretty important and it can be used when somebody's incapacitated, 
unavailable. Uh, your child could be in a different state and a document needs to be signed, or your spouse could be in a different state and a document um, needs to be signed. It's also something that could be used under diminished mental capacity, something that, you know, as your parents age or your husband or wife uh, have some issues, it's really important to, to have this document to be used for this purpose. So, um, you really want to have, you know, your first person, like if you're married, sometimes it's, you know, a lot of times it's the spouse and then you want to have a second and, and third. And, and when it comes to power of attorney, there's terms that um, you should talk to your attorney about that are around um, temporary and or springing durable power, durable power of attorney and, and all encompassing or limited. And it can be somewhat state specific. So these are documents that if you relocate, you should talk to a, a local attorney or that an attorney in that state. Now, guardianship is another important term that we want a lot of people to be thinking about, but guardianship uh, gives someone other than the parents the right to make decisions about their child. And certainly we think that everybody that has children should appoint somebody in case that something happens to them. Um, there is a person that could take on guardianship. Who do you want uh, to make decisions and, and what are the limitations, timeframes, issues, school, health, all of those kinds of things are really important. Another document that's important is a living trust. Now, not everybody needs one of these, okay? So living trust is, is something you create while you're alive. You put most of your assets in the trust. So in other words, that your assets might say, um, the trust name, but you still have complete use of these. So the, the assets are owned by the trust, not you technically, but, but a living trust is something that you still have uh, all, the, all the access to. And a lot of times it, it's a, a way for people to um, ultimately say how they want their assets to go versus a will. So the benefits of a living trust can be centered around two areas. The first one being privacy because it's not probated and the only, only the trustee and anyone else you deem to have rights to know uh, about it uh, will, will actually know the details. Uh, it could be a situation, do you have a child nobody knows about? <laughs> I know that sounds really crazy, but I wouldn't be saying this unless it's a situation that we've seen, but that, that they want taken care of, but don't want the rest of the family to know a living trust can actually be the answer. Uh, we don't suggest that for that particular reason, but it also could be a situation where um, where uh, you have property in multiple states and you don't want to probate in, in multiple states. So you put assets in a living trust for that particular reason. It also could be a situation where you have family members that are relatively young and you don't want them to manage the assets yet, or it could be the opposite. It could be a situation where you have family members that are developing uh, maybe mental capacity issues and want it to be easy for the heirs to, to kind of take over the care and um, complexities that would happen when the uh, individual passes away. And again, it could be just, you know, just to keep things very simple and easy when assets need to be distributed, if they need to when they need to be distributed, whatever's left over. And it could be cases of disability. I mean, a trust language could say what happens around that. And I suppose, you know, like I said, not everyone needs a living trust. It's, it's, um, I know it's something that's used a lot with the, the, um, the older crowd, I guess you want to say, but, uh, it is something that you might want to consider if you just have some complexities in, in life, just in general. 
So the dear me uh, and family uh, and self letters, the what I called the um, five wishes as well is a final second second set of documents that are are they're actually not legal documents per se, but they're personal letters to your family. So it could be things that you just want uh, other people to know about you. And I so I suppose you could call it legacy. So it puts in writing what is really in your heart and mind. And anyone who thinks that the legal doc documents won't express those thoughts could uh, util could benefit from use using these. The another document is a living will. Now that's different than a living trust, right? So this is a living will, and this allows an individual to make medical directions when you are unable. And again, here's another case where we think when your child gets to age 18 then they should probably have one of these as well. And um, it's important, I guess, to use at the end of life, no matter what. A living will um, identifies the type of care you want and will incorporate advanced directives. An advanced directive guides choices for doctors and caregivers if you are terminally ill, seriously injured, in a coma, or in the late stages of dementia or near the end of life. We hope that... Um, you know, this isn't something that you need relatively soon, but you can get the medical care you want, avoid unnecessary suffering and relieve caregivers of really important decision-making burdens during the moments of grief and crisis. You can also help reduce confusion or disagreements about the choices you want, um, you, you know, with, within the family members. So this is some, one of those documents that I think is really important to make sure that it's clear what kind of care you actually want in those final stages. Wills and testamentary trusts are another document and they explain how to distribute your assets upon your death and when. And we believe that everyone who wants something different than what the state laws uh, require should do a will. So what does a will do? It explains how to distribute your assets upon your death. And like I said, when it also distributes or establishes guardianship. We already talked about that a few, few uh, moments ago. If you have minor child, uh, while it's unlikely both parents die in any kind of accident, it is possible. And so it's important to have that information in there. Um, if you don't have a will, the state has one for you, but you may not like who it appoints as guardian or how it that gets decided. Now that's not to say the state's going to take all your money because we hear that all the time. The state's going to take my money. It's not that. It's just that somebody is going to have to step in and actually uh, probate your estate. And it's really important to have an idea. I mean, there is intestate that that happens, right? So it's going to follow whatever the state law is that you pass away in. So it's important to have that information in writing. And again, uh, you want to have generally a um, a trustee and a executor listed, and then a backup, right? A successor who gets what you know, what the restrictions are, requirements can be distributed outright or to go into testamentary trust and distributed according to, to your rules. So it's important that they're aware of that. We also want to talk about the, um, the family, the funeral arrangements or funeral plans. This puts in, in writing what is in, already in your heart and mind. And again, takes it away from the family to have to make those decisions. Uh, as long as you're clear, I mean, it's not a legal document per se, but, but you can do some pre-planning and it's really important. Um, I've seen so many families torn apart 
because they didn't understand why people made the decisions that they made. And this is kind of a last piece of communication that someone can, can have around so that it's really clear what your final wishes are with regards to your, your funeral plans. And again, you can do some uh, things around next steps, I would say. Um, we really want people to, to be focused on this and get, get some ideas going when it comes to your next steps. In fact, in the show notes, I will uh, attach some discussion documents and some checklists uh, for people that are listening. And for those that are attending this webinar, uh, you, can, you can see that there are some um, document discussion sheets and the, the questionnaire we will provide all of that information in the show notes as well. Make sure that you uh, put a complete set of documents in the cloud and maybe even hold a family meeting to set expectations. Doesn't mean you have to give them all the details. It's just something that you wanna say, hey, if something ever happens to me, you know, here's where the documents are. And it's super important for you to have this done and behind you. And then of course you can celebrate the fact that you don't have to do this for another three to five years. I want to say thank you for all those that attended today. Um, it's been great having you and we'll certainly uh, answer any questions at this point in time. If you're listening to this via the podcast, we'd love to hear what you think. If you have any questions, we'd absolutely love it if you uh, shared this with your friends and family and you liked us and commented and um, we'd love to know what you'd like to hear in the future. So we'd especially like it if you headed on over and rated the show. That would be great. The more people that rate us, the more people that are going to know about us. Thank you so much. And that will about do it for today's episode of Wine and Dime. You can contact Amy through the website www.rootedpg.com or amy at rootedpg.com. You can also follow us on Facebook and Instagram at rootedpg for the latest news. And if you have any questions, comments, or topics you would like to hear about, feel free to let us know. And don't forget to rate and subscribe the show wherever you get your podcasts. And again, thank you for listening and be sure to tune in next time.